when it comes to human relationships, I think instinctively there are certain things that we understand. Uh, there's this kind of innate understanding of what love should look like. So at times it can almost be like kind of funny to look at what love doesn't look like. So if someone were to say to you, Do you know, I really like, I love you, you're great. I love you and your car. You know, I love you and, and, and your car. It's just great like, that you have that car. And I, and I love you and thank God you have that car. You know, or like, I, I love you and, and, and your good looks and I'm just really glad that you look like you do. You know what I mean? I just, or I love you and, that I, and, and the fact that you're wealthy. I, just, I really like, you know, it's good to have that bit of security. Instinctively, we, it almost sounds ridiculous. We know that if someone says they love you, but there has to be kind of a, a kind of a condition or you plus something, then something is wrong. Then there's a there, there, there's a, a lack of authentic love. Okay, so then that that begs the question then as regards our relationship with God. Is He enough? Because if I say to God, God, I love you, and everything that you give me, or I, for, as regards heaven, for example, Lord, I, I need you, great, yeah, I think we can all say that, but um, it would be great to have all of these other things as well. Then somehow, if God isn't enough, if God isn't enough for me, then, then heaven isn't enough for me. And so I think the, the way, we've mentioned this before here, that the way God like, designs human beings, the way our, our, our life cycle goes, uh, towards the end of our lives, all these things that we have been given, we give back. I don't want to say that they, God takes them back. That sounds a bit, I don't want to make, paint God in a bad light, but like our, our wealth and our good looks and our success and our fame and all that kind of thing. Do you ever notice that when, when stars get to a certain age, they make very few media appearances at all? Because, well, they won't be remembered as they were in their, in their prime when they start getting old. So... All those kind of things are, 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 are taken back. And eventually, eventually, we'll find ourselves standing before, the, before God and I think there'll be that question. I mean, do you love me? Am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Today, St. Saint, Saint Maximilian Kolbeck lived that, that, that complete dedication to God, that, that, that self-abandoning love of God in a very, very particular way. Uh, in his youth, he was a bit headstrong. He was a bit himself and his brother used to get into a bit of a bit of hassle. And his mother exasperated one day when when uh, Raymond, as he was called before he entered religious life, uh, as, as as she was just completely exhausted with him. And she said, "My goodness, what is going to become of you, Raymond? What is going to become of you? Do you know the way the way you behave? What on earth is going to become of you?" And this question really struck him. And so. In, in his own prayer that night, he, he prayed to Our Lady and said, um, what is going to become of me? I mean, if I'm disappointing my mom and creating her all this hassle, what is actually going to become of me? And he had a, a vision. Our Lady appeared to him with two crowns, uh, 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 two crowns representing two different paths that his life could take. So a, a white crown representing purity and a red crown representing martyrdom and she said to him which do you want so purity or martyrdom and being a good child as most children are he said I'll have them both so so it was so it was uh, he was a very uh, an exceptionally smart student he studied in the Gregorian University <coughs> did his philosophy there obtained a doctorate and so on and so forth and was ordained and took the name Maximilian uh, so 
he was driven. He was, he had such a love for God and wanted everyone to, to, to share that love, to know how good God was. Now at the time, uh, Freemasonry, when we hear about Freemasonry today, it's all kind of cloak and dagger stuff, kind of hidden meetings in hidden halls and secret handshakes and all sorts of things. Uh, back then it was, it was very, very overt. So they would protest outside the Vatican against the Pope. You know, so it was, it was a very, very blatant uh, movement at the time. So Father Maximilian wants to make sure that, that the truth was getting out there as well. So he started a, a printing, I won't call it business, but a printing press, uh, printing stories of the saints and d defending the faith and uh, again doing everything that he could to make sure people would know the truth of our faith, that it wasn't cultish or sectish or we, we don't adore Our Lady or whatever these things, whatever was being thrown against us at the time. So he answered all those, those kind of questions. Uh, he had a great desire to, to go on mission over uh, in the east as well. So he went over to Japan and was scouting around for some land to build a monastery. And he was given land in Nagasaki, but kind of on the wrong side of the hill. So like you have a, the hills here and then the valley. So normally when you build, you, need, you want to be on the, on the same side of the hill as, as the town, you know, so you don't have to go over the hill or around the hill to get into the town all the time. Um, so he was given a, a plot of land kind of on the wrong side of the hill. Uh, so it seemed unfortunate. Then they built an enormous monastery there. It was, it was like, like a town in and of itself with so many friars and brothers. I think they had their own fire station there as well and all sorts of buildings and schools and kitchens and uh, farm and the whole lot. It was a, a huge success. Similarly, uh, in... Uh, in Poland, their, their, their friary there was a, a village in and of itself. There were, I think, 3,500, if I remember correctly, it's a while since I read the story. I think about 3,500 friars there. So it's a small town, uh, Niepokalino, it was called. And just wonderful, absolutely fantastic. He, he, was, he was such a wonderful teacher as well, such a wonderful example, such a wonderful man of prayer. But the Second World War uh, took place and, and Poland was invaded. Many of the friars and priests fled, uh, or at least went into hiding. <coughs> Father Maximilian stayed there, and he stayed helping the, the, the many injured from the, the various battles, and also hid Jews, he saved about 2,000 of them. And at any moment, like he, he, he could have been arrested, and indeed he was <coughs> arrested and freed, but he never left, he never went into hiding. Then when he started printing, again, uh, it's created a bit of clarity about what the Nazis were actually saying, what they were actually proposing, what they were actually teaching. Uh, he printed material against them, and that was, that was it. Once that was done, he was arrested and sent to Auschwitz. So while in Auschwitz, he was singled out for particularly harsh treatment. Uh, so numerous beatings. There were just some, some guards there who just took a, took a set on him because he was a priest. Uh, so just loading him with all sorts of uh, logs to carry, pushing him into the mud and beating him to a pulp and leaving him there. Uh, so he could have and maybe should have died on numerous occasions just from, from exhaustion and beatings, uh, but always came back. And always came back with joy, just this inspirational joy to the other prisoners there. 
So on one occasion, uh, some prisoners escaped. And the punishment and deterrent uh, to anybody else escaping was that 10 men were chosen at random and sent to the starvation bunkers. This was in 1941. So whatever about a firing squad, firing squad was, was at least quick. Starvation bunker, it could take you a week, 10 days, two weeks to die, cause, but you die of, of, of well, primarily dehydration. But it was, it's an awful, slow, slow way to go. So these 10 men were singled out at random and sent to the starvation bunkers, and then this one man cried out. He said, please, please, not me. I have a family. I have a family. And then Father Maximilian stood forward and said, I will take this man's place. And the SS guard came over to him and said, who are you? He said, I'm a Catholic priest. And he said, well, that'll do me. So Father Maximilian took this man's place and was sent down to the starvation bunkers. And normally down there, you'd hear all sorts of wailing and maybe even blasphemy, people calling out against God. And just it was a hellish kind of a place. I actually visited there as well. The, the cells were tiny. There was very, very little air. Uh, and in the summer especially, it just would have been absolutely stifling. Of course, there's no bathroom as well, so you can just imagine the state of things there. Absolutely horrendous. But when Father Maximilian was there, he prayed. Himself and the other prisoners, he, was, he led them in prayer. So there was a kind of an unusual, almost eerie peace down there. For the guards there, it was, it was a completely different experience. So most of the other prisoners, uh, the other nine, died within about a week. Father Maximilian uh, lasted a few more days and eventually was just given a, an injection of carbolic acid to finish him off. So he gave his life today, the 14th of August, 1941, and was burned then in the, the ovens uh, there in, um, in Auschwitz tomorrow, the Feast of the Assumption. He loved Our Lady with a particular particular love and he his ashes if you will went to heaven on her feast day on one of her feast days he's a, a wonderful example to all priests of that single heartedness like to give everything for the Lord he's a wonderful example to all people laity included of that powerful love for Our Lady all for the Immaculate he would say all for the Immaculata all for Our Lady. He was a wonderful man of prayer and a great saint. So we ask him today, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, that he from heaven will intercede for the church and renew that Marian love, that Marian character of our church and renew within, his pri- within the priests a profound love for God above everything that as we get older and as little by little we give everything that we have been given back to God that he and he alone might be enough for us